Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Hello, this is Akua Walker, your child development nurse practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer of Mom Changing the World. Super excited to bring you another wonderful interview with a dear friend of mine, Trisha Blackford. As I start the episode, I love sharing quotes, and usually they're from someplace in Africa. And so since our guest lives in Chad and is raising her family there, I thought it would be fitting to share some quotes from um, some proverbs from the Chadian culture. So the first, I couldn't narrow down to just one. I had to do two because two I found that were just perfect for today. First is that laughter is a language everyone understands, which is so beautiful because, you know, smiling and laughter is so healing and so universal for joy, love, peace. And then the second one is if you always walk down the same path, you'll go where you've already been. I'll say that again. If you always walk down the same path, you'll go where you've already been. So that is, I think, very fitting for today because as you'll hear with Trisha's story, she is walking a a somewhat unique path when it comes to how she and her husband are choosing to raise their family and share their faith and their basically their love of others around the world Uh, specifically in the South Sudan, Sudan, and Chad area of Africa. And so the way that I got to know Trisha is through a friend, through her husband, Keith. And we knew him through overlapping at Stanford University and through our church, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. So Trisha's story begins in that she is uh, Armenian-American and was born in New Jersey, but raised in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas area at age five. Her professional training is in that of being a physical therapist, where she trained in Texas. And then she felt called to share that at a county hospital, her skills in meeting people's physical needs, moving to Sudan in 2006. While she was there, is where she met our mutual friend, uh, her husband, Keith, who is a Caucasian American from St. Louis and happens to be from the same town as my husband. And he was also called to share his love, his life-changing, you know, love and faith in God. And together they found each other, fell in love and were married. And they've been together now for over 12 years. I'll let her tell you about her children but they've lived and raised their children in in two countries now. And so I'm so excited for all that she has to share about, you know, being a world-changing mom as she raises her children, you know, in a a halfway across the world from here in America. So welcome, Tricia. So glad to have you this morning. Thank you, Akua. It's so great to be with you. 
Yeah, yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your family and kind of your your life these days? I know while we're recording this, it's late summer of 2020 and kind of the world has totally changed with the pandemic that's going on. But why don't you tell us about kind of your your day-to-day life and then how your your summer has been? Okay. Well, we we are back in the US for our normal yearly 3-month break, but because of COVID and travel restrictions, it's been a little bit longer. We hope to go back in a couple of weeks to Chad. The kids and Keith and I are excited to get back home. We we have a great situation, a place to stay in Houston. So we're really thankful and we're really comfortable here, but we are also eager to get back home. Absolutely. Good. And so I like starting off uh, very practical in terms of, you know, feeding our children. And even in this season, it's gotten to be even more intense in terms of go-to meals and how we, you know, feed uh, our tribe. So why don't you tell us about your your six children? You have your own little mini tribe going on right there. And yeah. then uh, tell us about, you know, go-to meals. Well, my my oldest child is 11. And then my, so I have three daughters, 11, 9, 7, two sons, 5 and 3, and a daughter who is 14 months. My, we do cereal and milk in the morning in America. We just keep it easy. In Chad, we make our yogurt. And so we have yogurt and oats. We can buy oats there, uh, yogurt and oats and date paste. But we don't do that in America because it takes a lot more work. So we just do cereal and milk for, in America. For lunch, my older girls usually make lunch. They make flipped eggs, bacon, toast, and a green salad. And then for dinner, it's just all over the map. I, I like to, we love vegetables. We're usually, I usually will roast vegetables and some kind of meat. So like maybe chicken thighs or chicken breast or something, and then roasted broccoli or beets or raw vegetables. And we, my kids are good, are good eaters. My favorite last minute meal is this frozen cauliflower crust pizza. I love, we all love that one. So in Chad, I have a very strict meal schedule because I have less margin. I can't just run to Chick-fil-A if I'm running behind. And so every Monday we have the same thing. Every Tuesday we have the same thing. But in America, we enjoy the freedom of just all over the map. But if I don't, if it's 5.15 and I don't have dinner ready, we will just order from somewhere or throw those pizzas in the oven, frozen pizzas. The convenience we have here is quite something that we just take for granted. But yeah, and hearing you talk about, you know, meal planning, I think actually can be really useful in knowing what you're going to have ahead of time. And I think we can all benefit and I think we all save time and money if we can do even a little bit of meal planning or meal prep. So that's great. Good. Good. So then in terms of being a mom, did you always want to be a mom? You know, I've always loved kids, but I don't, I don't really think I dreamed of being a mom. I mean, I was happy to be a mom, but I, yeah, I I wasn't, I wasn't dreaming. Oh, I want to have six kids and I want to live in a certain way. I I always knew that I loved kids and I was good with kids. And I, I paid a lot of attention as a single. Keith and I didn't get married until a little bit later. I was 29 and he was 34. And so we had a lot of time to watch our friends around us be part of raising their kids, helping them, learning, oh, this is a good fit for me. Oh, this kind of style isn't a good fit for me. 
So uh, I, yeah, but I love, I love being, I love being a mom. I was really involved with like children's ministry at my church and coaching upward basketball teams and babysitting. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like fun. It sounds like me, like just loving to be around children and so easily yeah. seeing, you know, myself as a mom someday. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, that you always, you can have details how you think it's going to be, but that's, you know, you make plans and then, <laughs> then life happens. Right. right. <laughs> and so, yeah. So for, you know, right. So tell me, you know, how you feel you are making an impact on children inside and outside of your home at this time in your life. Yeah. So obviously the children inside of my home are uh, my highest mm-hmm. priority. I think that the most important thing that Keith and I want to instill in them is that they are madly loved by God, just passionately, zealously loved by God and their identities as daughters and sons of God. Uh, I think those are, those are the most important things that we, ways that we want to impact them, who they are, what their purpose is, casting the vision for their life and what God has for him that has for them. He is, has good works that he has already prepared in advance for them to do. But also at the same time, the balance of that, the will of God is to give thanks in all circumstances. But this is the will of Christ Jesus. And so just knowing that they are loved wherever they are, whoever they're becoming is is so, so important, not for what they do, but for who they are and that what they can do overflows from that. I love the kind of intentionality, you know, that you have in sharing their, their kind of God-given identity or their God-given purpose and their God-given yeah. gifts and talents. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And it's such a foundation that it can make such a difference in life. And as you're sharing that with your own children, I can attest to, you know, just how, how sweet your children are. I mean, they're some of the most polite, um, kind, and I feel just kind of, you know, compassionate, kind of world-minded kind of kids, you know, because they, they see at least two different worlds, right? When they're home, their world in Chad, right. and then they, they see, you know, kind of, you know, the standard American, you know, life here. And so I think that's such a rich upbringing to be able to give your children. Yeah, we 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 tell them regularly they have a great life. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but yeah, I mean, it, in growing up, that was one of the things that if I could change, you know, one thing about the way that I grew up. And of course, I'm super thankful and love and know that, you know, my my childhood and my life is just the way that it was supposed to be, that God designed yeah. it. But if I could, you know, change something about it, it would have been to spend at least, you know, some of my childhood or some of my time kind of back and forth because I was born in Ghana, but only the yes. I was four. And I feel like I had a longing to go back um, yes. at least to visit more as a child. And thankfully I did, you know, more as an adult, but I think that's such a, a beautiful thing to be able to have more than one kind of world experience. For sure. You're growing up. Yeah. Good. And so then what about outside of your home? So something that we do in Chad is there's a, there's a system in Chad where we live where boys from villages all over the region. So we live in a city in Eastern Chad. And so families send their young boys to um, learn the Quran, but the boys aren't fed 
in this program, they, they learn the Quran early in the morning, like three in the morning, and then the rest of the day they beg for their food. And so something that we love to do is investing in them by feeding them a meal every Wednesday morning. They know they can come to our house. Our house helper is a lovely woman and she prepares that food and serves them and blesses them and prays for them. That's really important for our family and our household. My kids will go out. My sons like to maybe sometimes play soccer with them. My, my girls like, it's not really appropriate for my girls to mix with them, but they'll, you know, they'll poke their head out and say hello. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and we bless them and pray for them. We really, we love those boys. Then another way is we hope that bringing the love of God into the city where we are, into the culture where we are, that that will bring change for the whole culture. And so right now, the things that are dysfunctional in parenting, in our cult- the culture where we live in Chad, we hope that God and his love is redeeming that. And we've seen it. It, it is happening. Um, that God's love, because God is very for families, right? That's how he works. He works through families and communities. And so, yeah, we're just excited about how his love is transforming mothers, fathers, wives, husbands, and in that parenting relationship as well. That's beautiful. And every culture, every generation has its it's kind of cultural strengths and it's cultural challenges. Um, sure. And so, yeah, so I think, and they're different again, depending on where you are in the world. And so yeah. it must be eye-opening to experience, you know, having kind of grown up in this, in American culture in one way, and then, you know, living kind of cross-culturally in a, in a whole different country. Mm-hmm. For you sure. Know, how, how, how easy or hard has that been? Oh, in the beginning, it was extremely hard. We, we, started, we started living cross-culturally in Sudan. And you learn in uh, programs where, that prepare you to live cross-culturally that it takes about two, two and a half years to feel like yourself again. And we found that to be true. I, mm-hmm. I definitely, at the, I followed that curve at the six, it's high <laughs> in the beginning. You're just like, oh, this is the greatest. And then you tend to crash at about six months. And then for the next 18 months, you sort of level off and become more like yourself. So we, I definitely experienced that when I was in Sudan. And then you, every time you move to a new country, there's a new element of that. But the Chadian and Sudanese and South Sudanese, Egyptian culture, there are a lot of similarities. And the language, of course, is similar. Different dialects of Arabic. South Sudan, the language is completely different. It's a pidgin um, of Arabic, but you get the point. The, the language mm-hmm. and the culture mm-hmm. is similar. Um, so it wasn't as drastic when we moved to Chad, but it was extremely drastic when we moved to Sudan. The, the changes I experienced in the culture stress. Sure, sure. And then how has you know, your faith kind of helped you with that? process? Oh, goodness. (laughs) I mean, it's just been everything. I, I, so the Bible talks a lot about being an overcomer and persevering until the end. And so it, it shapes the way that you look about, look at trials and look at difficulties. Are you, are you, is your first response to blame your circumstances and want your circumstances to change? Or is your first response to overcome your circumstances? and control what you can control 
and choose to be thankful and choose to be to choose love, choose, um, yeah, choose grace and mercy. And so I have been learning and growing in those things over the last 12 years in an extremely intense way. I'm learning to be thankful instead of coveting, you know, that saying that the grass is greener on the other side. I mean, there's a reason why that's in the, the 10 commandments that God teaches us not to covet. It's not for, it's for us. It's not for him. It's mm-hmm. when you covet, you want to have an, un, you're going to have an unhappy life. I tell my kids, you can choose to be thankful for what you have right now, or you can choose to be sad about what you don't have. Are you going to choose to be happy or sad? You get to choose your experience of your life. So, I mean, yeah, God, God, and God spoke so clearly to me that he wanted me um, to move to Sudan. And so I felt, felt so confident, even on my lowest days. And there were some low days, <laughs> days, what am I saying? Low months, um, <laughs> yeah. even low years sometimes. He's so good. He just loves me in so many ways all throughout the day, um, through people, through things, through gifts. So I, um, but you know, it's been a process. It's been a journey. I, I'm much better and much stronger now than I was when I started. Always, always. And I actually have a, a, a memory of, of your family that speaks directly to that. Uh, one of your visits, I think, was my oldest third birthday. Okay. And it, I think it was the day you guys were leaving. Like, I, I feel okay. like you were headed to the airport after you came and you um, were able to kind of fit us in the mornings. Uh-huh. Um, of the birthday party as we were getting ready. We said, oh, just come. I remember come. that too. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I and totally so, remember. Yeah, so then, you know, you, I think you had two little girls at the time. Your oldest two were um, around my, my oldest age. And so I just uh-huh. remember that was, you know, their kind of first time meeting you and meeting my, you know, the oldest. And I, I think I was like, you know, seven or eight months pregnant with my second. Yeah, um, you were. You were. I remember that. I helped huge. you cut up a watermelon. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's right. I learned how to cube a watermelon. There we go. There we go. Talk, talk about food again, right? But, uh-huh. um, <laughs> but I think what stood out was that you had to leave really like before everything was like going because of just your timing of that day heading to the airport. And of course, I think it was a many transitions for the little ones, you know, that you had you know visited other people and all these different things. And so this yeah. was one more transition. And as you know, you know, uh, preschool, you know, young fives will do, it was really hard to leave and say goodbye. Uh-huh. And I just remember the tears, but I also remember you just talking about, you know, we had such a good time here and let's celebrate being thankful that we got to, you know, meet our friends and spend time with them. And I know it's hard, but um, we have this memory and we'll, we'll talk about it all the way to the airport, you know, or something to that effect, right? Yes. <laughs> as we go. Yeah. And I, I, you know, as I'm like in the kitchen cutting up something, I hear you, you know, just, just, just oh, talking gosh. about choosing gratitude. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I do. And so it's, it's really actually fitting that you bring that up huh. today. Yeah. As you, you know, talk about, you know, choosing to be thankful in whatever circumstance that you find yourself in yeah. and talking about that with our kids. Because gratitude, we, we know now, especially even like with research, that gratitude is like a, is a practice, oh, right? Yeah. That if we, you know, can, can cultivate that, you know, through our faith, through mindfulness, um, we have, you know, the outcomes are better for children, they're better for adults, like in every area. So sure. it's, it's a great reminder. Yeah, good. So then is motherhood what you thought it would be? You know, it's kind of, it's a little bit like marriage. You know, marriage is going to be good and hard, 
but there's just nothing like it when you're experiencing it. <laughs> it's just, and, and it's almost, you know, you hear people say, you know, you just can't be prepared for it. And I, I think that that's true of motherhood as well. You, you know, it's going to be good and you know, it's going to be hard, but it is just so much better than you could have imagined and so much harder than you could have imagined. Yeah. I mean, we've all had those nights where you literally, you, it's six o'clock and, or it's five o'clock and you're like, the sun's coming up. I'm pretty sure I haven't slept tonight, but I, I don't know. <laughs> it's time to get up again and do it all and over again. starting and I have this baby who's now finally asleep, but now my big kids are waking up. <laughs> right. And so I need to turn it on. For them. And my baby just turned it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Or, you know, when, when your kids are struggling with something or hard things happen to them, or, I mean, it's just your heart. It's just, your heart is, it's, it's just, it's so sweet and it's so hard all at the same time. Um, Just a beautiful, sacred experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know for me, um, and I, I think I heard it described as, you know, when you get married, it's, you know, it's like your heart, you know, increases, right? Or, or that you, yes. you kind of, your heart grows. And then, you know, when you have children, it's like, you know, you have, it's almost like your heart is on, on the outside of you now. Like you have another heart, you know, in each of your children, that's a part of yes. you, but it's outside of you, you know? And so yes. I, I can definitely, you know, relate to that, how it, it grows you um, uh-huh. because it is so amazing but it's also pushing and challenging and um, harder than you can ever know <laughs> at the same time. Yes, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And speaking of, I guess, challenges, I think, um, especially in the, the days that we live in, you know, 2020 has been quite yes. a, a challenging quite year. A year. Yeah. And so, you know, with all that's going on in the world right now, you know, how are you talking to your children about race, about empathy, about kindness? Yeah. So obviously my kids live in a cross-cultural situation and um, most all of the people around us um, are black or dark brown. And obviously my, my kids, I, like you said earlier, I have a Caucasian husband, so my kids are lighter skinned and the racial tensions in Chad are much more blatant. Um, for example, the, the tribe in power, those people get jobs. Those people graduate from high school. Those people pass exams. If you're in the wrong tribe, if you're in a tribe that doesn't have as much power, you don't pass those exams. You don't get your high school diploma. You don't get the jobs. You end up, um, you end up having a, market jo- a job in the market trying to sell things. Um, the tribes in power are able to steal um, and kill and have little to no consequences for their choices. Mm-hmm. Um, the tribes that are not in power, uh, their lives are very unjust and it's extremely blatant. And my kids see those injustices up close and personal because our house helper and some of our closest friends are, are not from one of the dominant tribes. And so we have, we have talked a lot about this in their lives growing up. And it was really interesting when specifically when there was so much in the news about George Floyd being killed. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little emotional. Uh, 
we watched the the video of that together with my with our kids. We just decided, you know, we we shelter them from a lot, but we talk to them about a lot as well. And and so we we watched that with them. And my oldest daughter that night, she was just in tears, and she said, "Mom, I thought America was safe. I thought mm. I know that the that the government in in Chad is corrupt, but I thought America was safe. And now she was just she was really devastated. And we, it was a great chance to cry with her and empathize with her, but also share with her that the only place that is safe is the kingdom of God. That's the Mm -hmm. only place that is just and right. And it's here and it's coming and it's increasing and its government will have no end. And, um, and so our job in this, in this short season on earth is to, further his kingdom personally in our lives and our families and the people around us, but also looking forward to knowing that his kingdom will never end. And we will spend eternity without injustice, without pain, without killing. And so, yeah, so that's, that's one thing. And then um, it was, it was sweet to be in America with great internet because there's so many beautiful, amazing resources on the internet. And so we just punted some of the other school things that we were doing and just started watching videos on the civil war and the reconstruction period and, and, and how things became the way they are now. Um, so it was, it's been a really sweet, it's been a really sweet time and learning experience, a time to bond and connect and grow over difficult things. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great reminder that this is, as emotional as it is to encounter, you know, what we've been seeing on the news and what we've been kind of, you know, rehashing and coming to terms with as far as um, racial inequities and injustice. Yeah. But it's, it is a learning opportunity as well, as you, you know, so well put that we can, you know, take some time with our kids to, to research and to look up and to, to delve in, you know, deeply to understand as much as we can about how we yeah. got to where we got. And that, yes. you know, that only helps us to move forward. There's um, an African proverb that I, you know, often comes to mind in, from Ghana in the idea of Sankofa, which is uh, basically a bird that looks backwards. And the, the proverb that goes with it is that you have to look back in order to move forward. Uh-huh. And so it comes up quite a bit in seasons like this um, as you, you know, um, bring up because our children, you know, they're so fresh in all of this. This is all so new to them. Like they haven't lived, you know, the centuries of, you know, uh, slavery and colonialism and, you know, racial, systematic racism. And so their, their innocent fresh eyes in some ways are, you know, coming to see this for the first time. And so there is a, a learning curve you know, that, that can happen if we take the opportunity to, and not just kind of bury our heads and just accept this is just the way it is, but we can learn and we can grow and we can do better. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up, you know, kind of, you know, teaching your children and punting, you know, some of your other academic things, but that, you know, brings up that you homeschool your children. Yes. Uh, Can you tell us just a little bit about that and how you made the decision to homeschool? Sure. So we, we didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a decision that we made in the beginning because we were living cross-culturally and there wasn't a great school um, situation for our kids. Our kids have been in local Sudanese and Chadian schools, but 
that those situations aren't, aren't, were never good enough to completely rely on. And so mainly they just did preschool type things. And it was just an opportunity to learn language and culture for them. But we, at this point, we've now been homeschooling, you know, our oldest is 11 and, and we start, we started doing school with them, even like when they're babies, just doing sight words and things. And we love it. We love it. We say all the time, if we found ourselves in a situation where we were living in America again, we would do it. We, we love being the primary influence on our kids. We love, we love that they finish their school by whatever, 11 o'clock, and they have the whole day to read and play and create. And yeah, we just, we just absolutely love it. I, you know, I, I'll speak for myself. I know my husband also had some hurt, painful things in his childhood, but so much of the, the difficulty in my childhood, I mean, in my 40s, I'm still overcoming but I was mocked. I'm six feet tall. And I was just absolutely teased and teased and teased and bullied about my height and my size. And I'm, because I'm, my background is Armenian. I have a unique look. And so people tease me about that. Being Armenian brought a unique maiden name that I, you know, that was my name growing up with. And so I was teased about that. Just so, so many things being exposed to sexual things that I was, that, that I just shouldn't be awakened in a 10 year old or an eight year old, but it was in me. And so, and I, and I've learned as I've watched my children now, are my children completely sheltered? No. Do they experience hard things? Absolutely. But I'm right there with them to, as soon as a lie comes in, I can often help combat that lie with the truth with, for them. And like I explained, I mean, we see hard things all around us. Like we walk down the street and we see people living in cardboard boxes and just little shanty straw homes. And so they are exposed to many difficult things for sure. And we don't believe in, in creating this, you know, a Christian bubble around them. But a child of the age of eight and 10 isn't equipped when there's a pornographic magazine just dropped in front of them. They're not equipped for situations where they're wa- they're, everyone else is watching a horror movie and where else are you supposed to go? It's, you're just not equipped for that, or at least I wasn't. And so I love, it's just a good fit for our family to, to be able to shepherd them. And with our crazy lifestyle, we get to, we get, that, that's one thing that's constant for them. We do school in Chad, we do school in America. And it's, it's all the, the same. Does that, yeah, that yeah that's, that, that's a great, that's a great teaser. And, um, and I'm, I, our hope is to have a bonus episode where we can talk even more about okay. um, the specifics of, you know, homeschooling and how you can help some of us who are being thrust into distance learning mm-hmm. from home and taking on that yes. role. Um, you know, what, you know, whether, you know, not by choice, just because of the health situation, you know, that's going on and that distance learning is different, but, um, and there's different kinds of homeschooling and different kinds of, you know, hybrid situations, but, um, yes. yeah, I, I am excited to be able to learn even more about how we, you know, maybe there's maybe one tip that you can share now as far as taking on that parent role 
parent as a the teacher role as a parent, whether it's yes. full time as the homeschool mom, or it's you know very much maybe part time or it's more more reduced. But you still have to be the one to to help make sure that the work gets done in a distance learning situation. Well, I would like to say something. A, a lot of my friends in these days have said, Trisha, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you homeschool six kids. And I want to encourage people that what I do is extremely different than what everyone else around me has been thrust into. We decided that we wanted a homeschool. We planned our own curriculum. We decide when we do things. I, one of the greatest joys for me about homeschooling is if the next chapter is on reading the clock and telling time and my kid just can't get it, we just stop. And I put that on pause and we pick it up again in three or six months. But when you are at home, you're not, you didn't prepare for that. You are executing someone else's plan. That's extremely difficult. And so my advice would be, be kind to yourself. <laughs> be loving to yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Just don't, don't receive any outside pressure. I have come to believe that any thought, almost any thought that starts with, I should be doing blank or I shouldn't be doing blank is not a great thought. It is not loving <laughs> not towards yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I, I receive that as we are going to embark you know, very soon on this, yes. um, this, this, you know, extension of what we were thrust into in this, in this, yes. spring, this fall. And I think what's good too, is that it's not going to be exactly the same. Um, what happened, you know, in March when everything shut down really in a matter of days with no warning, right. When nobody was prepared for that is not what's happening now. You know, since then we've had months of lessons learned with, you know, the spring experience. We have, we've had summer and what I understand is that schools have been working nonstop over the summer to plan, prepare and set things up in such a way yes. that it will be uh, much more um, constructive and much more supportive of our children as they learn. Lord willing. Different stages, yes. So that is my hope <laughs> and yes. prayer. As we it move forward. Amen. And I receive, be kind and compassionate to ourselves <laughs> as, yes. as parents trying to juggle it. Good. Yeah. So yeah, taking a kind of a quick break to talk about snacks. I'm curious, you know, what uh, your family does for snacks and kind of some of your go-tos in that arena. Yeah. So we, we have a, a schedule for our day. There's flexibility in the certain things, but we have breakfast at seven. We have lunch at 1130. We have a snack at 230 at the end of rest time. And so they get to choose one piece of fruit or depending on how big it is, you know, a couple of pieces of fruit. So that's what we do for snacks. We, in America, we get a little wild and crazy because there are a lot more <laughs> options. And so we love these almond flour crackers from Costco. Mm. And we love dried mango and yes. any dried fruit, really. Mango, figs, apricots, prunes. And we love, my kids love dark chocolate. We're not really, we don't do a lot of sugar. And so uh, fruit is their main sweet outlet, and mm -hmm. um, but they do love dark chocolate, and so yeah. you know, a couple three times a week, we'll we'll enjoy some dark a splurge. Chocolate together. <laughs> yeah, that. 
Yeah, that's I do, great. I do make some sweet treats, but it's more like for birthdays. And there, we have eight people in our family, so yeah. that comes around. You yeah, know, <laughs> quite quite a bit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And fruit is such a great, you know, go to comes in its own packaging. It, you know, exactly. We, yeah, we actually have fruit trees in our yard. And so we've been enjoying oh, that's plums. So nice. Yeah. And, um, we're going to have some, I think, apricots soon and apples. Yeah. So yeah, what, finding what's growing around you is super yeah. fun as well. And you do you have mangoes available to where you are. Yes, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, well, in in Chad, in Chad, we have we have a great fruit variety. We get apples, bananas, mangoes in the in season. Everything's in right. season. Right. Uh, watermelon, uh, pineapple. I think some cantaloupe and um, honeydew is what it's called, right? And yeah, yeah, honeydew. Yeah. There's a there's an African apple, candy apple, which is a oh. a unique fruit um, that oh, we've yes. never had in America. So that's kind of yeah, fun. That is super fun. I love that. That's a good variety that you have. Yeah, it is. We're thankful. Yeah, yeah. Great. And so, you know, I see you as a, a mom changing the world using your voice as a, a missionary, a prayer warrior, an author. Tell us a little bit about your books. Okay. So I my mom um, is an excellent writer. And so that was one thing that she really taught me. Um, and so writing has always been fairly easy for me. And I, I kind of realized at a certain point, a lot of people were asking me, Trisha, I need advice on managing my house helper. I need advice on how to handle this issue or this struggle. And I kind of realized, oh, I think I'm I've learned this. I've been doing it for about 12 years and, or no more. I've been doing it for, you know, a lot of years. Um, and I have a skill set here and I can write. And so let me just write it up. And so I, I am saying just write it up over three years. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, but I, I'm kind of, I kind of work in fits and spurts. And so I would, I'd do a lot, you know, every spare moment I would just okay, I've got 15 minutes. Let me bang this out. And, um, and then it would be dormant for, oh, I'm having a baby. So it'd be dormant for six months. <laughs> do it again. And then it would lay dormant. And then one, one day I accidentally thrust my laptop to the floor and it crashed. And, but my husband is amazing and he revived it, but that took six months. And so anyway, so we, uh, yeah. So it's a book to equip people to manage house helpers in cross-cultural situations. And yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I think I, I, my heart is that it will make life easier for people who are, who are managing house helpers in a cross-cultural situation. And then there's another little book on basically how to have an exciting intercession meeting we do a part of our ministry a part of what we love to do is have prayer meetings that are, that are four hours or a thought, you know, a two day or three day prayer event or a five day prayer event. And, and so in the, when we first started doing that, the idea was overwhelming, but then we, we have learned how to have interactive, interactive, exciting times with God. And so I just kind of wrote this short book on Basically, it's like a prayer event in a box. So if you wanted to do a prayer event, you could pick this book up 
And it's a real plug and chug. That was kind of my heart to make it quite easy and dynamic and fun. And then the third one is about uh, when your husband travels and, and just, just support for if your husband travels a lot, managing, managing when you're a solo mama. So those are the three little books. That's wonderful. And they're available on Amazon. Yes. Awesome. We'll make sure to have the, the links for those. And I was flipping through the, the prayer one recently and it yeah. reminds me about, you know, how, how can we share this with our children? If, you know, prayer is important yes. to us. You know, how can we build that into our lives with our children? I know, you know going to, before going to bed is a, a routine time, you know, that we have in our family, but there are, were so many ideas in there that I'd love if you could share, you know, how to impart, you know, kind of the, 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 the the joy of prayer in our, our, in our children's lives. You know, one thing I think we tend to have when you're educated um, and you can read, you're literate. A lot of your faith is just between your ears because you're reading your Bible. You're not listening to your Bible. You're thinking your prayers. You're not speaking them out loud. So interesting. Your kids can't read your mind. So they don't know that, oh, this weird thing is happening and mom is praying if it's just happening in your head. And so trying to be intentional about speaking prayers out loud, you know, even if it's just a short, oh, father, I need some help in this situation. I don't want to, I don't know what to do. Or look at this cereals on sale, you know, thank you, God, or I don't, you know, sweetheart, I know you're struggling with self-control right now and I struggle with it too. And let's pray over our day. And so, so just, that's one thing. It's just getting, getting your faith out of your mouth so your children can witness it and hear it. I think it goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. We start our homeschool day with a worship abiding time. And then we, we finish our day with, with um, what we call Bible time. And so just in, our, in the morning, starting off with Thanksgiving, telling God what we love about him. God, I love that you are powerful. I love that you have a good mood. God, thank you for loving me by with a cute little sister or getting to swim at the pool. And so, yeah, learning to take a scripture, take a psalm and then pray that back to God. So, you know, most people know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Thank you, God, that you that you shepherd us, that you care for me, and that I lack nothing. Just learning how to pray those back. And then when we have prayer events, doing activities that are, that keep it mixed up, you know, just not just, we're not just sitting there praying for three hours straight. You know, even adults mm-hmm. don't like that. And so in one position, we, we have, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Changing things up, doing fun activities, using Legos, using toys, doing prophetic acts, you know, we want to pray for the children of Chad. Maybe we put all our kids in the middle and lay hands and pray on them and sort of they're standing in the place of. So anyway, the book has lots of ideas, but that, that just gets you, gets you started, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And I think sometimes, like you said, we just, we might have our faith and we might be thinking, you know, thoughts of praise or we'd be praying in our head. But like you said, our kids don't hear that unless it comes out of our mouth. Yes. And so yes. you know, laying down our, you know, 
insecurities about praying out loud or whatever, you know, it might, might yes. be that and just make it, like you said, almost like a, just a natural part of your day and a natural part of your, you know, vocabulary a natural part of your flow and your schedule is how kids learn. Right. That's great. So you yeah. are, you know, homeschooling, you're, you know, making your own yogurt in the morning, you are praying for your children, and you're living a life of prayer, and you're writing books, and you're ministering to, you know, the people around you, and probably even more that I haven't listed. How do you find balance and juggling, you know, all of those different things? Well, let's, let's, um, Let's just articulate up front. I'm 42. (laughs) And so all of those things that you just listed have happened over the course of years. I, uh, like I said, those, those little books that I wrote, I mean, that was, those were, those were projects that took years to write and they're not long. And just to, just to give you an idea of, yeah, like I am, I'm definitely not some superhero I'm just a normal woman doing the the task that God has given me, trying to say no to the right things, trying to say yes to the right things. I think I've I've gotten caught in that trap of you want to say yes to this and oh that's a good thing and that's a good thing and say yes, yes, yes. You can't say yes to everything unless you start saying no to certain things. And so that's something that has been really key. Another key for me has been my thought life. I already shared a little bit about any thought that starts with I should, or I shouldn't be, or I wish I was. Those are, those are red flags. We cannot be, we can't hate ourselves. We can't be unkind to ourselves and our thoughts. We can't be constantly saying to ourselves, oh, you should, you should be doing this good thing. That, that weighs a person down. It takes so much energy just with all of that negativity. And so I, I have to be really careful in my thought life to stay positive, to stay thankful. When I mess up with my kids, just yesterday, I just lost it and yelled at my son. And, and when it was done, I was like, well, that was stinky, but I'm not going to wallow in it the rest of the day. And so I went to them and I said, I'm so sorry. I, you know, reconnected with them, with my daughters who were there and heard all the yelling. I mean, that, that disrupts them as well. And I said, I'm so sorry that I disrupted the peace in our house. And I said, okay, get back on the horse, girl. You're a good mom. Keep moving. And that was it. And, and, but in the past, you know, I would have just wallowed in that. Oh, I just yell at my kids so much. What's wrong with me? Why am I, why am I doing that? I just, I just want to be. I want to be gracious to myself. I want to be compassionate with myself. And that flows into my kids. When I'm hard on myself, I'm hard on my kids. When I'm gracious and compassionate to myself, I'm gracious and compassionate with my kids. Fear, shame, woundedness, pain, bitterness, that takes tons of energy. Nobody has energy and time for all of that. So, and then I pray a lot and talk with my husband and we pray together and we make decisions together and encourage myself in the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not in alone. That's amazing that yes. you know you you can rely on and work through all of a lot of this with your husband yeah. as you both you know are seeking God and life. 
what life help, in him means, right. asking for help. Yes, and yeah. some, you know, house helper to help with some of the day to day, which is great. And um, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you so much for reminding us that yeah, we don't do it all at the same time and you know every day. Right? You know, they're yeah. like you said, you know, things will ebb and flow, and we have to have some boundaries too. We can't do it yes. all all the time. We're not made for that. We won't last if we do. Right. So right, great. That's great. What do you like best about motherhood? Oh, I love so many things. I I haven't found my favorite age yet. I have an 11 year old and it just keeps getting better. And I am believing for awesome teenage years and awesome connection with them and an awesome launch and transition into adulthood. I'm, I try really hard not to receive it when, you know, Oh, you have three tea, three girls. Oh, your house is going to be crazy <laughs> in a few years. I think it's going to be, I mean, of course it'll be wild and wonderful, but mm. I love the, it's just sacred when one of your kids is learning. I watched my toddler yesterday, learn how to get in and out of our standing shower. You know, there's just a, a few inches of pump. A ledge, yeah. And she figured out how to get over it. I just stared at her for 10 minutes. It was just, it was like, holy, just, she was figuring it out. And she'd look up at me and she'd be like, you know, in her babble language, I did it. Did you see that mom? He said, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just sacred or, or to watch your children, like their faith become their own and, and learn how to receive God's love and hear his voice on their own and to be kind and compassionate to one another. And, and to, oh, I mean, it's just, yeah. And then, and when, the first time my daughter, oh, this was amazing. We were, we had just moved to Chad and we were assembling some Ikea thing. We were assembling something we had shipped over and lo and behold, it was dinner time. And Lillian walks in and says, dinner's ready. And I was like, what? You know how to cook dinner? <laughs> and you saw that we needed help and you did it and you didn't ask for help. And it was amazing. And wow. so just learning them, watching them become adults, men and women that God's created them to be. And, mm. oh, it's just, it's crazy amazing. I love it. I love yeah. it. I even love when they're up in the middle of the night and they're sick. And it's just like, you can, you can help them. You're the only one in the world that, that mm-hmm. can help them right now. You can you know, catch their fluids that are coming out of their body and comfort <laughs> them. And yeah, I mean, it's, there are so many hard things, but there's so many beautiful, holy, wonderful things. Yeah. Good reminder that we are their only mom and yeah. we are there. And you, you know, bring up a really good point about connection and just relating and just being there because one, when they look at research of like the parenting strategies that matter the most, you know, connectedness and relatedness are always Uh at the top. And sometimes, especially when, you know, our lives or our worlds are turned upside down, you know, by a pandemic or by, you know, you know, a range of things, illness or moving, you know, range of things are being thrown at moms all the time um, and dads. And so if we can remember that more important than anything else is that relatedness, that yeah. comfort, and that connection that we can offer them. I mean, that's yes. huge. That's so huge. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself as a mom? Well, one thing I, I just I, I mentioned a minute ago is I treat my kids the way I treat myself. 
And so if, if I, um, yeah, I just want to be really careful about the way that I'm treating myself and receiving God's treatment of me as a beloved daughter, his unconditional love, even when I'm a mess, when I'm in my highs and in my lows. And so I, I want to treat my, myself well so I, that overflows so that they can learn what God is like. God is not demanding. God is not in a bad mood. He is happy. And uh, so I can only give my kids what I have received from God, either directly or indirectly through other people. Yeah. So that's, that's a few things recently that I've been learning. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. And that ties beautifully into self-care, which is something that we like to kind of end our shows or wrap our shows up with is, you know, what what can we do to fill our own cup or fill our own pot so that we have, you know, something to give to those who are around us. So what do you do for self-care? You've already mentioned, you know, the importance and power of prayer. Um, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I've talked a lot about my thoughts. Um, Yeah. So really watching my thoughts, being kind and patient to myself, remembering that I'm on a journey and I, I haven't arrived yet, but I've come a long way. My husband and I help each other have long abiding times with God regularly. And so, you know, once a week we have like a few hour chunk and then, you know, maybe every few months we take maybe a whole day. I wake up at least 15 minutes early earlier than my kids wake up. If they are waking me up, oh, I just feel behind all day. But if I can just wake up just a few minutes early, maybe, you know, put my Bible app on that will read, read my Bible to me just for a little bit while I pray and get dressed. And, um, oh, that makes a huge difference. I try to get ready every day. I get dressed. I put on some basic makeup some basic earrings and an outfit. I try to do that every day. I, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror throughout the day and, you know, I just, I feel better all day if I have a little makeup on and some earrings and I look cute. And And you do look cute. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I give myself permission to rest and take a nap every day. My oldest daughter watches my, my toddler if she's awake and I, I rest and I take a nap. Even if I'm, if I don't sleep, I'm horizontal for at least 15 minutes after lunch every day. I give myself permission to enjoy reading and enjoy not being busy. Enjoy just sitting there watching my toddler learn how to scale a shower um, or watch a movie. That's great. And I thank you for, you know, pointing out that, you know, it can just be 15 minutes, you know, in the morning before the kids get up, or it could be 15 minutes after, you know, lunch that you just take a little bit of a break or you rest with your, you know, napping toddler or newborn or, you know, whatever yes. it is. I, you know, there's, I, I very much envy that you can do that. <laughs> because, you know, working outside the home, you don't often have the option of just laying yes. down. <laughs> But, you know, during this kind of more work from home time and the sheltering time, you know, you know, it has freed up time that I was commuting or that I was on the road. Um, And so I've had to be intentional. It doesn't work every day, but I try to use some of that, you know, what would have been commute time or packing up the kids time, you know, to do something in the self-care area. Way to look at the positive, Akua. (laughs) I try. (laughs) Good. So is there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap up? Well, I think, I think sometimes in, in, in 
these kinds of things you can you can hear an interview and you can you can watch a reality tv show and you think oh wow she's got it all together oh wow you know and and it can birth this covetousness in us it can birth comparison and i just just want to articulate that there are plenty of times where i'm struggling and in the day to day where i mentioned you know i I'll, sometimes i'll I'll end up yelling at my kids or snapping at them or accusing them or being rude or unkind. You know, there's all the seasons you have six kids. That means your body has gone through a lot of physical transition. And, you know, it's a journey to become thankful for who you are and, and who you aren't and what your body looks like and being comfortable in your skin right now, no matter what it, what size it is or how much it weighs. And, and so I just, I just want to say that, that I have weaknesses and I struggle and that's part of the beauty of parenting is you can share those things with your children. And now I mean, I have, my children are an encouragement to me. My, my daughter wrote this letter from God to me and I put it up on, on the, the snack pantry uh, you know, and it, it says, you know, my dear, my beloved daughter, you're doing great with your snacking. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. I love you. Love your beloved father in heaven. And Aww. just, you know, they, they see I'm down and they pray for me because I, and I apologize to them. And so there's, there's grace, there's, there's redemption. There's, we're all on a journey. And so just wanting to just articulate Akua that I don't, I wouldn't want anyone to walk away from the show and think, Oh wow, she's got her stuff together. No, I, I Jesus has my stuff together. <laughs> Jesus fixed all my stuff. Yeah, I break yeah. it and he fixes it every day. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's a great reminder. And that, you know, that, that brings tears to my eyes as I think about how our children do give so much back to us. Sometimes yeah. when we're least expecting it, you know, and that's yeah. just so sweet, you know, that as that as they get older and as they are more articulate and as they are more sensitive and as they are uh, more, um, you know, of who they're becoming, that they do share that with us. And it is such a treasure, such a gift. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Good. So we'll have, you know, links to some of the resources that you've shared um, in terms of your books um, on our website, um, momschangingtheworld.org. And we'll also share how people can support you and the work that you're doing all the way, you know, kind of across the world. So thanks again for your time. Such a pleasure. Oh, I love being with you, Akua. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thanks for listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.